Back in 2012, uh, there was a ship called the Costa Concordia, an Italian cruise ship. And the, the, the passengers of this ship had entrusted themselves to the captain of this ship to deliver them from the port that they set off from in, in Italy to go safely to uh, another port. That was the plan. Uh, but the, the captain of this ship decided that uh, since uh, a lady friend of his was up in the, 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 the steering room with him, I don't know all the fancy official ship terms, so the Coast Guard guys can correct me later. Uh, um, uh, he decided what would be fun would be to get really close to an island and blow his horn for her and everybody who was on this, uh, this tourist island. He's supposed to stay, uh, I think, a, a mile off, but uh, he didn't uh, um, pay attention to that. And so he, he swings by to do a little sail by of this, uh, this island, and he runs aground of a, a, a rock or a stone, a giant boulder in the, in the water. It cuts a 70-yard gash in the side of this boat, 70 yards. He thought, oh, well... I need to get it back to, to port. So he tries to turn it around. It doesn't work. It's quickly taking on water. Uh, they have lifeboats. They're, they're getting the, the passengers to the, uh, to the lifeboats to, to deliver them uh, from this, uh, this circumstance they found themselves in. But because it's taking on so much water, the boat starts to tilt and they're unable to use the lifeboats. The people can't get in them. Well, everybody that is except for the captain and his second-in-command, they somehow found their way into a lifeboat. Later, when questioned about it, he would say, oh, when the boat was leaning over, it tossed me out and we just happened to fall in the lifeboat. Sure. Well, uh, the, the Italian Coast Guard comes up to investigate things. And when the commander of the Coast Guard, who's there at the time overseeing this rescue, finds out that the captain, instead of staying on board to deliver his, peop- the, the, his passengers through this predicament that they're in, he, gets, he is livid. Uh, and he gets on uh, uh, some sort of communication device and he's talking to the captain and he is yelling at him with all sorts of colorful language. And the last thing he yells really loud into the, the, the speaker is, Get back on board! Because in his understanding, you as the captain should be the one to see your people through the suffering that they're experiencing. You should be the one to deliver them and be with them through this deliverance. Uh, the Italian people at the time... Uh, saw the Costa Concordia as kind of an illustration of the way that their country was functioning as they felt that their their leaders and their government officials were abandoning ship and were leaving the people to suffer in the midst of, of mistakes and, and poor decisions that had been made over the, the past. And so they t- took that that call, that rallying cry of get back on board, started printing shirts up because they had a longing to... A longing for a leader to stay with them in the midst of a difficult circumstance and a longing for a leader to deliver them through what was going on in their lives and what was going on in their country. Remember, as we are are working our way through the book of Daniel, 
we see that in a very similar way, the people that Daniel are writing to have the same longing, a longing for deliverance and a longing for a deliverer who will not abandon them, a longing for a deliverer who is going to be present with them in the midst of their suffering and the midst of the difficulty that lies ahead, whatever may come. Uh, for the original audience of Daniel, this would have been those who had returned from exile in Babylon and who are now in Judah and they're looking around and they're seeing that there's a, a long way to go. Is God going to be present with us? What about any suffering that, that lies ahead or persecution? Will he deliver his people? And so as Daniel is composing this, this book, and writing it for God's people then and for us now who have the same longings, the same questions. Some of us are suffering presently and we wonder, will God be with us? Will He deliver us from this suffering? Some of us might not be facing any difficulty now, but it's important for us to know what happens in the future. When great suffering or difficulty or persecution comes in our lives, can we look to, can we depend upon our God to be the great deliverer who remains with his people through their suffering? Uh, so we turn to Daniel chapter six this morning to find answers and encouragement from the word of God. We'll be looking at the whole chapter this morning. So if you would follow along with me as we hear from the Word of God. Uh, remember at the end of the last chapter, uh, Babylon um, came to an end as the Persians took over. And so the, the, the leader of the Persians that's, uh, that's mentioned here is a guy named Darius. Most people think that this is his, uh, his throne name. Uh, other uh, places he's known as Cyrus. Um, and so we will uh, we'll pick up for him now that a, a new uh, a new king is ruling. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps would should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an, in, an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed 
and gave thanks before his God as he has done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place, went to his palace, and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. He came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. May God, my God, sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. That is the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that you have seen fit and your mercy and your grace to provide this testimony uh, of you, of your character, of your, your works and your signs on behalf of your people. Holy Spirit, we pray uh, that as the people of God, you would continue to be uh, faithful to us, to reveal to us more about our God, more about Jesus uh, from your holy book, we pray. Amen. So Daniel is encouraging um, uh, God's people 
to look to the one living and true God for their deliverance, for our deliverance. And the first thing that that we see as we're looking in this passage is that the reason that we should look to our living and true God for deliverance is, well, who else are you going to look to? Did you you notice that in this, this passage? Darius. He is now king of the Medes and the Persians. They have conquered Babylon. At this point in time, Darius is the most powerful man the world had ever known. The size of his kingdom, the amount of people that he ruled over, this is the most powerful man the world had yet seen. Notice, his advisors, they come to him uh, in verses 6 to 9 with this great plan of... uh, trying to convince Darius that, okay, you're the, the most powerful man in the world, but let's take it another step further to ensure that people really know how much greater you are uh, than, uh, than Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and everybody else. And at the same time, this will help us uh, get Daniel in a, in a tight spot. And so they come to him and, and they say uh, that he should form this injunction that says that no prayer or petition can be made to anyone else any God, any person, except Him for 30 days. This means that if you have any need, if you have any issue, any question, if you're in need of any kind of help, the only one that you can go to is Darius. The the underlying assumption and understanding is what they're trying to communicate to Darius and what this law communicates is There is only one person in the world that can help you. There's no need to go to anyone else. It's me. It's Darius, the ruler of the Medes and the Persians, the most powerful and significant man in all of the world. But you notice that as he finds out that this this injunction has trapped uh, Daniel, his beloved advisor, someone that he trusts, and looks upon favorably. Did you notice what happens when he hears that it is Daniel that is caught in this this law? Look in verse 14. The king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. All right. Now, the most powerful man in the world, Daniel, is condemned to go into the den of lions. The most powerful man in the world sets all of his power to do what he can. He labors till the sun goes down to do what he can do to rescue and free Daniel. You know what happens? The men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. He can't do it. The most powerful man in the world is incapable of of bringing deliverance to Daniel in the midst of his difficulty and his hardship. 
But notice, notice where the most powerful man in the world, when he comes to the end of his ability to be able to deliver, notice who he appeals to, potentially maybe even breaking his own law. Notice what he says to Daniel. He commanded, Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions, and the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Darius, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of his time around Daniel, as he realizes the foolishness of his, of his decree and his, his command, that his pride got the better of him, he realizes and he, he, he looks to Daniel and says, the one that you need to hope to, the one that you need to look to, the only one that you can look to for deliverance is your God. Notice what happens. What Darius could not do, the God of Daniel could do. Uh, look as we go down in verse uh, 19 and 20. So, at daybreak, the king arises. He's been worried about this all night. He runs to the den and he calls out, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you, can, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Well, let's put it in another word. Is your God more powerful than me? Did he fail you as I did? And what is the answer? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me. Daniel was delivered. You couldn't turn to the most powerful man in the world. He could not bring deliverance in this circumstance. But Daniel's God provided. And look at what it says, the reason why and how he was provided in the end of verse 23. No harm was found on him. He was taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And then just to be sure that these weren't drugged lions or they weren't fake lions or whatever, the king then cast all of these conspirators in and before they even hit the ground, boom, they're gone. But God was able to deliver his people. And notice what Darius says as he celebrates what God has done. I met in verse 26, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion uh, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who, has, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The only one that could bring deliverance, the only one that you could look to is Daniel's God. When, uh, when I lived in Virginia, we had some drainage issues in our, our basement. We were really close to the, the Potomac River and why they put a basement in this house uh, I don't know. We always had water issues. So I was trying to solve the drain issues by putting pipes at the ends of my downspouts and running it into this big, giant, concrete drain, underground drain sewer line or uh, stormwater line in the back of our, our house. I had to dig five feet down to find this pipe, and then I was trying to drill into it. My drill wouldn't work, and so I was talking to some guys at my church, and they were like, oh, yeah, man, a hammer drill? And the right bit will take this out easy. Here, why don't you borrow mine? 
And then another guy was sitting there. He's like, yeah, you can, you can borrow mine too, just in case. So here, I have two borrowed drills that these guys told me would solve the problem that I needed. So here I am, five feet down in this hole. My neighbors can't even see me as I'm down in there working. First drill, trying to go through. Start smoking. It burned up. The next drill, I start trying to use. It locks up. It fails to work. Here, two drills that were promised to me that would do the, the, the work that I needed, would solve the problem, failed. Well, my neighbor across the street, Eric, was an uh, electrical contractor. And he goes, man, I'll bring you what will work every time. It's like there's this drill. It's made by a company called Hilti. It's like we use it on everything. I'll bring it to you uh, tomorrow after work, and it'll go right through that thing. Right. All right, we'll see what happens. So Eric brings me this drill. It doesn't look that much different than the other ones I was using. Put the bit in, get down in the hole. <laughs> It's like I'm drilling through butter. It's amazing how great it worked. So here, as I'm doing these projects, I'm realizing, okay, borrowed tools from these other guys aren't cutting the job. Anytime I face a situation where I have to go through concrete, I'm not going back to these guys. I'm not even going to venture that way because they've proven time and time again that they will fail me. But Eric's drill... Anytime, I'm going to always go back because it will always come through in drilling through concrete. And I found that out multiple times because I kept going back over and over and over. I never asked the guys in my church to borrow another drill again. I, I don't think they would have let me borrow anymore after I'd ruined two of them. But do, do you see here what Daniel is saying? He's highlighting and showing how even the most powerful men in the world the most powerful people with all that they have cannot deliver you. They will fail. Don't even go there. Why waste your time? Why waste your energy? Go to the only one that can save you. The God of the Bible. The one living and true God. How many of us, is that a hard lesson to learn? How many of us in the, the suffering and the difficulty that we experience haven't learned the lesson of the drill and we keep going back to broken deliverers, those who have failed us time and time again? How many times when you are, are, are suffering uh, uh, hardship and difficulty, do you maybe begin to turn and, and want to rely on yourself? Rely on yourself to be the deliverer. To rely on yourself to protect you in the midst of difficulty and suffering and hardship. Maybe uh, if you're in, in school and you're being uh, ridiculed for your, uh, for your following Jesus, or you find that, um, that it's, uh, it's hard to, uh, uh, to live outside of the, the crowd as they're maybe telling jokes or talking about certain things, and so in order to deliver yourself, you uh, laugh when certain things are talked about. When certain people are picked on, you, you might not participate, but in order to deliver and save yourself, you're re relying and resting on yourself to keep you from being the one who experiences the ridicule and the suffering. Uh, maybe others of us who we've, we've relied on other people 
to deliver us before. And, and they have, they've failed us. We've gotten hurt. And so instead of relying on them again, the, the lesson that we've learned is what we've, we've decided to do is I'm just going to put up a wall. And I'm not going to trust anybody ever again. Everybody else will fail me. I'm going to keep myself safe. We begin to rely on ourselves to be the deliverer, to be the protector, to be the one who will keep us as we put up our walls to keep other people from hurting us. Maybe others of us, in order to be uh, to, to find deliverance, to find significance, maybe we're like Darius. We want to be the deliverer. And so we rush into the problems of everyone around us. Because what we need to be saved from our insecurity, to be saved from our insignificance, to be saved from our fears of not being needed, is to be involved in other people's lives and to be the deliverer, to be celebrated by them. And what Daniel is telling us here is don't go there. You cannot deliver yourself. You, other people cannot deliver you. Failure will happen. If not one time, it will eventually happen because the, uh, a neighbor may be able to help me drill through a pipe in the backyard. But what about the ultimate deliverance that we need? Our, our salvation, comfort and the peace of God in the midst of this broken and messed up world. Daniel is saying, do not look to any other deliverer if the, the most powerful person in the world cannot deliver you, where else are you going to go? Go to the one who can and who does time and time again. Go to the one living and true God. But it's, it's one thing for this God to be able to deliver, but that's not enough. He might have the capability, but could it be possible that he's... He's stopped from his, his work. I used to watch a show on TV called Mythbusters. And they take urban legends and different things and they test them to try to see out if the, if the, the myth is actually, if it's actually a myth or if it, it's true. And they were, on this one show, they were uh, doing, trying to bust the myth of, uh, uh, that with a bloodhound, you can do certain things and throw the bloodhound off of your scent. And so they tried different things. They tried running in a zigzag pattern in different places, and then they released the bloodhound, and the bloodhound would come right to them. They tried to sprinkle pepper on the ground uh, to throw the, the bloodhound off. He came right to them, right through the pepper. It was, he was unstoppable. So then they, they, they raised up the, the ante to, to the fullest extent. They went into, uh, into um, this uh, sterile shower, and, and they bathed and washed in, in a soap that would remove all of your scent. And they got out and they dried off. And then they put themselves in a, a supposedly scent-proof suit that covered up their head and everything. Then they took that bath water that had all their scent in it. And they had one guy go this way and spray the, the, the man's scent all over this field. And the guy in the scent-proof suit went this direction. And guess what the bloodhound did? Went right for him. He is unstoppable in pursuing and finding the person that he is after. Notice, 
in this passage that God is spoken of as being unstoppable. The unstoppable hound of heaven, he is sometimes called. Look in verse 25, what Darius says. King Darius writes to all the peoples, all nations and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. Daniel's God. Our God is completely unstoppable. No human kingdom, no human laws will be able to stop him from accomplishing his mission, from accomplishing his purposes, from establishing his kingdom and from delivering his people. Notice Daniel has the same confidence. Look in verse 10, when Daniel's praying, you notice when as soon as he hears uh, that this injunction has happened, it says in verse 10, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and three times, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. What's the significance of the windows being open towards Jerusalem? What's what's Daniel doing praying towards this city? Well, it's it's interesting. Back when King Solomon uh, built the the temple uh, that God had uh, had said that he would build as a place for for God's people to to worship and gather before him. uh, This listen to, to Solomon's prayer. Because uh, remember, while the people of God were in Babylon, is because they sinned against God, they were unfaithful, and so God sent them into exile to punish and to, to discipline them so that they would uh, turn back to Him. Solomon says this in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 44. If your people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to Yahweh toward the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to the land of their enemy far and near, yet if they turn their heart in the land to where they have been captured and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, we have sinned and acted perversely and wickedly, If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who carried them captive and pray to you toward their land, which you have given to their, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions that they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your heritage which you brought out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. What Daniel is remembering and looking back to is the faithfulness of his God who said and communicated through the words of Solomon that when you have found yourself uh, in exile due to your to your sin and, and, and my discipline over you and you look back and pray towards Jerusalem, 
remembering that that is where I called you, remembering of my purposes tied to the land and my my mission of using you to bring the blessing to the nations. You look to me and I will hear, I will forgive and I will deliver. But remember at this time what Jerusalem looks like. It's destroyed. The temple's torn down. The walls are in tatters. Yet Daniel looks back to this broken city to pray. Because of the city? No. Because of the God who has united Himself to His people and the promises that He has given. And Daniel knows that even if the city's torn down, even if the temple is destroyed, God is unstoppable. He will hear my prayer. He will hope. Uh, he will come to my aid. He will be present with me. And ultimately, I will be delivered. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If not from these, these lions then ultimately from the suffering that is in this world as God brings redemption. Notice how he's unstoppable. He comes in, these hungry lions, he's able to deliver Daniel. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, trap that Darius and these officials wanted to put him in. God was going to save Daniel. Notice how else we've seen that God is unstoppable in his intention to save and deliver and rescue his people. The hound of heaven is unstoppable. He will do whatever it takes, even if it means that he must take on flesh. Even if it means that he must be born humbly in this world in order to come and redeem and save us from our oppression to sin and our rebellion. Even if it means He must live a perfect life. Even if it means that He must suffer and die, being beaten, being spit upon, being ridiculed, crucified on a cross. Even if it means that He must overcome death by rising on the third day. Even if it means that He will have to one day Come back to redeem and restore and reconcile all things and completely make this world renewed. He will do it. He will do whatever it takes to deliver and save and redeem his people. Nothing will stop him. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that redeemed and saved Daniel. And this is the God who sent Jesus. And if you look and you hope in Him, we will be delivered. Notice what else Daniel points us to. We should hope and trust in the God of the Bible as our deliverer because there's nobody else we can turn to. Because He's unstoppable. And lastly, because He's worth it. Notice how He's worth the risk. You, know, you notice what, what this really is a battle of? It's the battle of the law, the Medes, the Persians, and the battle of God's law. You see how that was set up here in these verses? Look back in verse 5. These officials realize that they're not going to find any complaint or ground of complaint against Daniel unless they find it in connection with the law of his God. Because they know and understand how Daniel trusts and hopes in him. And notice what they, they put it up against. The law of the Medes and the Persians that they say cannot be broken. Notice back down in verse 13. Um, then they answered, uh, they said, oh, uh, go back up in verse 12. 
Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, should be cast in the den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. See, the way they understand it is this law that has been made to to rebel against the law is to rebel against the lawgiver, to pay no attention to him. And so what is attention here is, am I going to obey the law of God? Am I going to remain faithful and trust and hope in him? Or am I going to obey the laws of man? Trusting and putting my, my hope of my deliverance of the only one who I can bring petition to is uh, Darius. And notice what uh, Daniel does in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had the windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done previously. As soon as he knew that the law had been signed, what does he do? He goes up and he prays. Because from Daniel's perspective, trusting and relying and depending on the delivering God is worth the risk. I'm going to trust in him. Even if there's a law put forward that says you cannot trust in him, you cannot look or pray to him or hope in him or you will die. Daniel says it's worth the risk because there's some things that are worse than dying. And I will not deny and look to any other God but my God, because he is the one who can deliver me. Even if it means losing my life, I know that ultimately he will bring deliverance and redemption. But notice, it's not just that God is worth the risk, but he's worth the wait. Remember, in looking back in verse 18, the king went into his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near the den to where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? He's waited all night. Will God deliver? He runs to the lions and he calls out. How long did it take Daniel to answer? How long before Daniel spoke up and reached out to the king? And then Daniel says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me. How long was Daniel's wait? Sometimes you see pictures of the lions then and Daniel's kind of like cuddled up, snuggling with lions over in the corner. I, I don't know if it was like that or not. I know just the other day, a lady tried to, she jumped a little barrier and was standing up next to a, a, a fence where there was a jaguar. And the jaguar came up and tore, and injured her just by her being close and looking in. Captive animals are still animals and they can go nuts on people. Was Daniel afraid as he was in the lion's den all night? Was he wondering and hoping and trusting, wondering why God would you bring me into this hardship? Why don't you keep me from being cast into the lion's den? Why do I have to go through this? Where are you? Why am I all night long? Nine o'clock? When's the deliverance going to come? Ten? Eleven? Not until the next morning. Daniel has to wait. 
And yet he still hopes and depends and trusts on his God. Because the God that he was praying to as he looked back to Jerusalem, the God that he was hoping in, did not promise to keep you from suffering. He did not promise to deliver you from always and ever experiencing it. But he did promise to deliver you through it. And to be with you. And the suffering and stuff that you experience here, you may have to wait. You may have to trust and depend upon God in hard, difficult circumstances where you may question and wonder, why is he bringing me through this? But the hope that we have is looking back to the God who has given us promises in the past, even when it looks like they're not coming together, even when it looks like Jerusalem's in shambles and the temple's torn down, Daniel hoped in the delivering God. We too have something even better to look towards. We don't look towards a broken and torn down city anymore. We don't look towards a temple. We don't look towards Jerusalem. We look towards the, the fuller and greater temple. Jesus, who was torn down, and three days later, He was risen from the dead. We look to Jesus, who reigns and rules in heaven now, and He is coming back to restore all things In our suffering, in our struggle, we need to know that Jesus is worth the risk. Jesus is worth the wait. And as hard as our lives are now, as hard as it may be coming forward, no matter what kind of suffering we experience, Daniel is saying, trust in Him. He is the Deliverer. And you may die. You may lose your life for following Jesus. But He will deliver you. When He returns, we will rule and we will reign. There is one and only Deliverer. We have no one else to turn to. But our Deliverer, He is unstoppable. And He is worth the risk and the wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the truth of the Gospel that Jesus is our Deliverer and Savior. We pray that in our struggle, we would look and hope to Him and in Him alone. In Christ's name we pray, Amen. As Jesus was on His way uh, to suffer on behalf of His people, as He was on His way to deliver His people, He was eating with His disciples. And He took bread and He broke it. He said, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. The same way after the supper, Christ took the cup and He blessed it. And He said, this cup is the new covenant in My blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As long as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim My death until I return. See, in order for Jesus to deliver, Jesus had to die. In order for Jesus to deliver us from our sufferings, Jesus had to suffer. And when it looked like to His disciples that the temple had been destroyed and torn down, Jesus rose from the dead to deliver and save His people. Are you hoping and trusting in Jesus? Have you looked to Him as the only one who can deliver you from your sin? Placing your faith in Him. Uh, If you've been marked, if you're trusting in Jesus, if you've been marked with baptism and are a part of Christ's church, then we encourage you to come and eat and feast with us. If that's not true for you, if you've yet to really know or understand, I just don't really know if Jesus is, is a deliverer, or you don't see and recognize your own need to be delivered from something, then let the, uh, the bread and the cup pass. And the insert in your worship guide, there's some prayers there. 
to consider, to call out to the delivering God, when you call out to Jesus for mercy and faith, He will save you. So, if you're helping with the Lord's Supper, would you come forward? Let me pray for us.